Hello, hello, and welcome back to Raising Young Achievers. I'm Sharia, your host, and I'm so happy that you joined me today. I'm going to be talking to Kendra Strange. She is the Chief Schools Officer at Breakthrough Central Texas in Austin, an organization that focuses on helping all students navigate the path to college. And she has over two decades of experience in college advising. I brought her on the podcast to talk about what we can be doing as parents of elementary school students to start getting them ready for college. And I know what you might be thinking. Isn't it too early to be thinking about college? My kid is like seven right now. Yes, I know how you feel, but no, it's not too early to be thinking about college. Now, we're not stressing about it, but just having that on the horizon as a possibility for our kids is important, even in elementary school, because there are things that we need to be doing now to set them up to be able to take the classes that they need and to have the experiences that they need to be competitive when it's time to apply for college. Knowing that now can be a game changer because you have so much more time to prepare if you start thinking about college early. And some of you may be thinking, I don't even know if I want my kid to go to college. And I get that too. I know mindsets are changing around college. I know some of the realities are changing around college and what it might mean for income in the future. And so it's normal to be questioning, is college worth it? But I would offer that even if you're not sure you want to send your child to college, you should be sure you want them to be prepared to choose college as an option if they want to when they get to that point. Because we just don't know how much the world is going to change or not. And the worst thing that could happen is having your kid end up a senior in high school and want to go to a selective institution, but not be able to because they're not prepared. So we want to make sure we're leaving all doors open for our little ones and making sure that they're prepared to walk into any opportunity they choose when the time comes. So with that, I think you're going to love this conversation with Kendra. She's a new mom of a little one. She's been thinking about some of these things herself, and she has a ton of experience advising students from many different backgrounds. So let's go ahead and get started. Hello, Kendra. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Sharia, thanks so much for having me today. Really appreciate it. I'm so happy to have you here today. I remember when we first started talking about the idea of preparing kids for college and elementary school, you didn't make me feel like I was crazy. And I appreciate you for that. (laughs) It's definitely never too early. (laughs) Like I know you've been an advisor um, in the school that you worked at was sixth grade through 12th grade. And so I feel like you're the perfect perfect person to talk to because you can tell me what you wish parents had done for their kids before they got to you. That would have made your job a little bit easier. Um, So we'll just dive into all the things. But first, tell us a little bit about you and your background and what brought you to the college access world. Well, I grew up in the inner city of Dallas and um, I, my mom will tell you from early age, I was like, I'm going to college because I'm tired of seeing y'all struggle. Like I want to go, I want to get some money. I want to do all the things. And She said the moment I said that I was really determined to reach that goal. And I did, you know, I went to college and while in college, I actually got involved in um, so many organizations. One of the ones I remember was Multicultural Ambassador. And I went out with a recruiter to recruit families and students for the college I was attending. And I was like, wow, you could do this as a job. This is great. I get to talk to people and encourage them to do go to college. It could change your life. And so that sort of started me on my path. 
And then I worked in admissions for several Division I institutions, A&M, Oklahoma State. Uh, and then I got involved with uh, federal trio programs where you really support students who will be the first in their family to go to college, right? Really encouraging them to do so. And while I was recruiting at a my boss kept saying, Kendra, you're so good at this work. You should get to the other side of the desk so you can help more students. So that really pushed me to, um, to do that. And I work with students in elementary school while I was at a doing our early outreach, because I just think there's something so special about talking to students about their pathway for the future early as, you know, elementary school, getting them excited about it. I've spent several, several years being an advisor. You know me from Young Women's Leadership Academy. I spent six and a half years there supporting young women from grade six through 16, all the way through college. And I currently build programs for an organization called Breakthrough Central Texas. And I essentially bring in advisors to do just that, to talk to juniors and seniors on their path and just really expanding the definition around what it means to go to college. What does that look like for every single student? Um, And that path's different, but they should each have the opportunity to do something after high school if they choose. And what that looks like can be quite different. So I'm excited to talk about early outreach because I think it's so crucial especially for students uh, who might be first generation or even second generation students that are going to college and having those conversations early. So just a little bit about where I've been all over the world for 20 years, I feel like. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. I always forget that we both worked in admissions in college because I was an admissions intern in college. And so I didn't stay on that side. I did the college access work later. Yes, and then we connected. I was at Young Women's Prep and you were at the Young Women's Leadership Academy in Fort Worth. And so, (laughs) yeah, something that you said that stood out to me was the idea that students should have a choice on what they want to do after high school. And what it seems like is happening with a lot of kids now is they get to high school and through high school and they're not prepared for a lot of the options that are available. And then the narrative is, oh, well, they just don't want to go. And it's like, well, do they not want to go? Or are they just not ready? Do they not even know how to finance it? Are they able to finance it? Like there are all these barriers that are in the way, or even if you do want a bachelor's degree, it just doesn't seem feasible at that point. So as a parent now, it's like, well, what do I need to be doing now so that I'm not cramming once we get into middle and high school and things start moving really fast? So interesting your perspective as a mom and then your just your perspective in general, having worked in the space. Yeah, I will say like there's so many barriers, right, that exist when we're talking about this. And sometimes, you know, I think a lot of parents put the onus on the school, right? It's their job to help them figure it out. Like I'm, I'm, I'm doing a lot. Um, But the reality is schools don't necessarily get to that piece with your student around like exploration and what does your pathway look like and what does your future look like? And I think that's where our parents can really dig in more. I'm a new parent. Uh, Me and my husband recently adopted. Her name is Joy. She is six years old. And so uh, this conversation is huge. You know, as I've been doing this my whole life, I'm like, she's going to be fine. But as I'm thinking about it, I'm like, it's it's ever changing. Things change every week, every month. And because I do this work, I'm able to stay abreast. But I think about my families who don't do this work every day. How do you keep yourself informed on like, what are the best things to do? And I think um, as a parent, what I really want to, you know, have Joy do throughout her elementary years is like build skills around creativity and resilience and managing her time. Even as a six-year-old, like how do we help her to learn those skills that'll be important no matter what her pathway will be in the future? Um, And I think some of the things that we can 
you know, pushed to the side or think are not important uh, to a student's pathway are super crucial. And that could be like exploration, sending them out to see colleges as early as, you know, second grade, go and visit so they can at least get excited about it. But then talking to them about the things that they like to do, because sometimes that might not equal a bachelor's degree, but maybe they're into welding. Maybe they end up being like this amazing contractor and, they love to work with their hands. So it's like really helping them to dig in and explore things, but you have a unique position. We have a unique position as parents to really allow them to explore and summer camps and all of these different things where they did. And they'll tell you like, that was not fun. I, I did not enjoy sitting in front of the group and talking. I really liked when I was in my small group and working with the Legos. And now you're like, oh, maybe my child is really into Lego. Let me see, let me dig into that, right? And then they get to their senior, junior, sophomore year. And they're like, I'm so glad my mom put me in gymnastics when I was younger. I really love it. Uh, and it's something I want to pursue and help other gymnasts. And now the conversation can start about what that pathway looks like. So, so much to unpack there. But I definitely think like a big thing that in the early years that we should focus on as parents is getting to know our kid because they're so unique and you got to understand them and not necessarily make up in your mind what that pathway is going to be. For them, because you have no idea who they're going to become, but you have a unique position to really help them to shape that and learn about their desires and what the, what the things are that make them so happy or make them feel, you know, energized. Yeah, I love that. I feel like being a parent is like you're experimenting all the time. <laughs> And just trying to figure out like what works, like when you were telling the story about the camp and it's like, oh, you like this part. And then you're trying to find that next opportunity of like, oh, like Sean was telling me his favorite subject was social studies. And so I'm like looking for camps that are like social studies camps. That's not even a thing. Like, I'm like History, maybe. <laughs> maybe history somewhere. <laughs> but yeah, you're just trying to find that spark. And so, yeah, I love that. It's like the exploration and the, the exposure I was listening to a talk and it was Dr. Sorrell who leads Paul Quinn College and he was talking about his kids and he was like, their first trip was to my alma mater. And so that's already like a built-in advantage because they have that mindset of, oh, college is part of my story, is part of my effort. And I started reflecting and I was like, oh, my son, his first trip was to my little sister's graduation. Yep. And his second trip was to my other little sister's graduation. And yep. she went to the same college that I went to. And so you know, they're super young, so you don't really know what are they taking in mm -hmm. and what's sticking. But the idea that like we do have, like if you don't have those built-in opportunities, how can you think about creating and curating those opportunities so that they're open to that um, as part of their potential story? I love that. You know, I went back and got my master's degree after waiting like 15 years. Right after the pandemic, I went and I did a virtual program at LSU Shreveport. And my goal was to take my nieces because I graduated college before they were born. And so it's like they, I talk about the fact that I've gone to college and what that means. But for them to come to my college graduation and see me walk across that stage, so many questions came. Like my nephew, who was five at the time, he was just like, that was so fun. You know, they had a second line and all that because it was, you know, Louisiana. But, you know, he thought it was like the coolest thing ever. And I recognized in that moment that they had not seen it because we had done it before they were born. My brother graduated high school. I graduated. So they've not seen anybody walk across the stage. And so, you know, I think it opened the conversation, like you're saying, like it was was just something so small to me, but to them is huge because they never seen it done. It's like, oh, wow. So that is my next phase. And it really embeds in their brain like that college is not necessarily something that's optional. It's like, it's just where I'm going to go, what I'm going to do. It becomes like a culture thing in your family. And as a first generation college graduate myself, that's not something that's been built in my family, right? It's like, I was the first one to go behind me. There've been several that have tried, 
but unsuccessfully, right? And so it's like, it's not yet built, built a culture of this consistent thing where college is an option. And I'm just trying to figure out what I'm going to do, you know, within that space. Um, it's a constant thing we have to remember for some families that it's not given, but then there are other families where it is. Now your job is to show them all these great options that are available versus where some families need to just have the conversation. You now have a chance to like show your student or your child, like all of the vast amount of options that they might have when they get to that phase in their life. Yeah. It's so interesting navigating this like second generation life. Right. And so for me, I'm a second generation college student. You're first generation, but you're raising second generation college students. And it's different. Like their exposure is different. I was watching this documentary or some show with Sean, he was in the room and they were talking to this kid and they were like, are you going to college? And he was like, I don't know. No one in my family has ever been to college. And Sean was shocked. And so I was shocked that he was shocked because I'm like, (laughs) for me, it was like, yeah, my mom went, but nobody else went and it wasn't a thing. But for him, it's like both of his parents went and um, on my husband's side, his grandma and great grandparents went. And so for him, it's so normal. And mm-hmm. I think that was the first time that I was able to like really see that and mm-hmm. see how different, because for me, knowing my mom went was an encouragement, mm-hmm. but I still knew it was rare. Like I still right. knew it wasn't like something that everybody did. Um, and so his experience is just completely and radically different. And not to say like he was interested in building houses. And so we've taken him to like shadow a builder and like see what that process is like. I'm completely open to what he chooses. But the idea that this is not something that feels foreign to him, I think is really cool. Um, So for parents that maybe they didn't go to college or just haven't really thought about this, what are some ideas that you have on how they can be exposing their kids to college experiences in an age appropriate way? I mean, it's educating yourself. And I'm not saying you're going to go out and be an amazing college counselor, been doing this 21 years, uh, but understanding what the pathways are and, and finding places for you to watch podcasts like this one, or even other opportunities to read articles about what's happening in higher education could be helpful. I, wanna, I won't necessarily put the onus on the school because let's know schools are under-resourced and sometimes the college counseling or the college preparation is not happening with fidelity across the campus or across every student. And so you're going to have to do a little bit of work. Um, so I definitely think exposing them to other people through programs that might be after school. There are also summer programs and summer camps that colleges offer. And heck, get in the car on your Christmas vacation and just drive to one of those colleges that's near your home and and, and schedule a tour and just walk around and let those people who work there tell you and your family about what the experience is like to go to that college. And me, when I was an admissions counselor, I love to see families come because it's something about the whole family understanding what's about to happen or what this means. So you can go home and now have those conversations. So that's just a couple of ways. I think summer camps, going to visit colleges. My nieces haven't been on their first flight. So my goal is to get them on a first flight and we're going to go visit a college. I want to take them to see Spelman. We're going to go to Atlanta. I want to show them a few different types of schools, but I think it's a unique chance to take them on their first flight but also to expose them to like, these are some colleges, you only know what's in your backyard, but here are some other ones. Um, and then talking to them about what they love in school right now. So I can see, well, maybe your post-secondary option is getting your cosmetology license and opening your own business. Well, let's get you a finance degree and get you an associate's in finance so that you can manage your money. So just thinking creatively around the things that they love to do as well. Yeah, I love it. And then for the people that are listening, because as you were talking, you're saying, you know, get on the plane and like go to these colleges and 
So I'm wondering, how do you help people think about affordability? Because I can hear people saying, like, I don't want to get them all hyped up on these colleges and then we can't afford to go to these colleges. And I'm thinking, should I just be taking Sean to in-state public colleges? <laughs> like, this is this is what we can afford, son. If I take him to Harvard and then he gets in, I'm like, man, that's tough. Um, so I guess on the first hand, how do you think about dreaming and visioning versus like fear that I'm going to open up all of these ideas for my kid and then maybe can't follow through on them? This is such a amazing question, Sharia. And it's one that I, you know, talk to families often about, but usually it's junior and senior parents who are now like in complete freak out mode, mode, like they've got accepted and we don't have any money. Right. And I think about my own stuff. I'm like, I don't have no money for college. But I also know that college is far enough away for me to prepare and start to do things now. And it could be something as small as saving $50 a month, $25 a month, so that you're putting something to the side to say, this is what I can contribute to your education. But then also there's going to be like opportunities throughout their experience to apply for scholarships. But also when I'm talking about that exposure, you're trying to also find out these things that your child is amazing at. And helping them to develop those skills because that will open the door for opportunities to go to colleges that are fully funded. Um, also give them an opportunity to audition and do different things in college that will help to fund their education. So part of this is kind of a little covert action, figuring out what skills and talents your child has and helping them to develop and hone them. But then the other part is like you as a parent sitting down and saying, what do I want my child's future to look like? What does a sustainable wage look like for my child to live on their own and be successful in today's economy? And how can I help set them up for that? And I think about people that are middle class, lower middle class, like our lower class. I really want to help my student prepare, but I don't have $50 a month, Kendra. I just don't have it. Well, maybe you're putting back $10 a month. You're like, I'm not going to buy lunch this week and I'm going to put $10 to the side while my child is five years old until they're 18. And now you're like, this little nest egg is what I have to contribute. And then when it comes a time to start applying, that's where it's really crucial to really help your students to find options that fit within your affordability spectrum. But also you spend all this time now exploring and understanding what their needs are. And you can sit down and say, okay, here are 10 colleges that are affordable enough. Let's look at these 10 and see if they have things that you desire or want. And then let's focus on your academics. Let's make sure your GPA is well. If there's an opportunity to get them test prep for the SAT or the ACT, which opens the door to scholarships, let's do that. Um, and starting to expose them to those tests earlier, that's a whole nother conversation. But like in other countries, those many students start taking that test in seventh grade so that by the time they take it for real, they are mastering the exam. They're getting the highest score and they're coming to institutions in, in the United States and they're getting those scholarships. While we're here, we know the test exists. We just wait for it to happen in the sophomore year. And now we're like, oh, my baby's not ready for it. Well, yeah, they've only taken it one time and now it's for real. And so like, that's something small and it's not really owning on you, but it's just getting them some help earlier, looking at their scores, understanding and saying, okay, Harvard, you need a 28 to get this, you know, amazing scholarship. We got a 25. Let me find out who can help us get these three points so that you can get access to that scholarship. Or maybe it's prayer view and you need a 23 and you got a 20. That's manageable if you know early enough to close those gaps. And, you know, I support families all the time with just having this conversation. And, you know, I offer that up to your listeners if they ever just want to talk about like, how do you do this? Well, I would love to have those conversations because I know all this information, but it's only as good as I share with other people too. 
Well, now you've opened it up. So you're probably going to get some calls. <laughs> but yeah, you're speaking my language right now, because that's what I've been kind of discovering on this journey with Sean, because he's in third grade. So we started Mikuman a year and a half ago. And as we were talking to the director, she was like, yeah, because they do math facts for the benefit of our listeners. And so it's all just like memorization of addition, multiplication, fractions. So you kind of go through all the grades and then you do like the core math facts. And she was like, yeah, our kids, they do really, really well on the PSAT. They start getting scholarship offers early. And so as she was talking, I was like, oh, this is like test prep. And they're starting these kids, like they can start in Kumon at, th- at age three. Wow. And so these kids, by the time they're in high school, they've been preparing for this test. Like maybe it wasn't like they were doing the SAT, quote unquote, mm-hmm. but they're doing the core things that they're going to need for the SAT right now. And so while we're thinking about like, oh, you got a year or two to prep, they're like, we have 12 years to prep or <laughs> See, I didn't go to Kumon. So I'm like, how many years? Like eight years, something like that. And so uh, I love the idea of starting early. I love that you're like talking about the test because I think there's so much movement away from the test. And I get that. Like, I don't necessarily agree with the test, but as long as it's there, it's like the answers are published. Like the test is available to look at and to study for. And so why not make this something that we can use to our advantage instead of it being something that has to hinder our progress. Yeah. You just gave a cheat code, Sharia. I mean, you just gave somebody a cheat code and that's a small investment, right? You're not, I'm not saving any money, but I'm putting my child in this tutoring program to help to bolster up their academic skills and academic skills are always going to be the key to scholarships. I mean, there are far a vast majority of scholarships out there for athletes and, and other skills and talents But a vast majority of them are still tied to the SAT and the ACT and still tied to academic performance. And so as parents, that's one big lever that you have a lot of control over. And I have friends now, like their students are doing well, but they still go to tutoring every Saturday just to make sure they don't fall behind. They're ahead in their academics. And that test prep piece is so crucial. And the more you can expose students to what this test is going to look like, the easier it will be in the future to have conversations when it comes back. And I'm not saying that the test prep is going to make your student go get a perfect score because I don't want people to think, well, my kid is just not academically strong. Um, my student just not going to get there. And the reality is wherever your student tests, congratulations to them. Now it's our job to grow that student from wherever they are to the, wherever they're going to get to. And that may not be a perfect score, but if their highest score is a 22, well, let's find the schools or programs that want students that are performing at your student's level and set your set their eyes on that. My organization and in my advising, I talk a lot about college fit, which is, you know, just finding the right school for your student. And that could be size, location, things offered. It's also around academics and who they're looking for. So your elementary age student, we have no idea where they're going to go academically. We don't know what their full potential is. And we don't want to put a lid on it by saying this is all you can do. Right. And so I think as parents, our job is to keep that door wide open. And we can do that in a lot of ways. And one of which you've mentioned now, Sheree, is like tutoring, exposure, and then helping them to build these skills around resilience. Because I don't care what college they go to, how strong they're academically, they're going to hit a roadblock or something. And we got to give them the skill to pick themselves back up. And as elementary age students, it's a great time because they have a lot of bumps and bruises and a lot of trips and falls. And so that's one thing we try to help Joy understand is 
when she gets no or something doesn't go the way she wants it to go is how do you pick yourself back up and move forward even as a six-year-old or a seven-year-old like that's a skill that needs to be honed and developed so that when they get to college and they're 19 on their own living in college or living their life that they have the skill to bounce back after a setback and I think that's one skill that um, we as parents have a unique chance to teach our students. Yeah. Um, another tool that I've been really promoting heavily is the Khan Academy website because they have yes. everything in there and it's free. Because Kumon, yes. it's, you know, it's not super expensive, but it's not cheap either, especially if you have multiple kids. Yeah. Uh, but the Khan Academy, you just turn it on and you just have them do it. Um, and I just feel like as, you know, Black people, if we start leaning more into that, it's mm-hmm. going to be just like with everything else. It's like once we decide we're going to be good at it, <laughs> like tennis yeah golf. it's like once we decide like hey math is about to be our next thing yeah I think we'll do it um and I love your point too about it's about getting your child to their next level it's not about them being some perfect score but it's the idea that wherever they are with practice they can get better yes. and so we should assume that just because oh they're struggling with this or they're struggling with that then that means they'll never be able to do better in that area mm-hmm. um And I mean, you know, I don't know what your experience was, but for me growing up, it was like, I was always really good at school and it came really easy. And I feel like that for a lot of black people was our story. If we made it out, because you didn't have a lot of resources, there was no, there was no like, (laughs) there was no internet half the time. (laughs) And so we have to think the way second generation and further parents think where it's not just like, oh, this child is exceptional. And so now they will go on. It's like all of our kids have potential to do something great. So even if it doesn't come super fast and easy for them, how do we support them in building those muscles and using those resources that we have now, whether it's resources with money or resources, because I work at a place where I meet someone who's husband is a luxury home builder and it's like oh okay let's find out about what you do Um, but leveraging that social capital we have now I love that it seems like you think there's hope for academic scholarships because I get nervous like watching the news and stuff where these kids are perfect and they still get no money like what is what is that about still think it's there's hope especially for our black and brown students I think it's always going to be an open door for you know them because I think it's still a rarity right because our students aren't being exposed early a lot of times uh, they're taking the test happenstance at their high school right and they're just so happen to academically perform well that was my story too Sheree I was just always good at school I got to college and realized like I was good at my school in Dallas but College was like a different level. It was a struggle. And I was like, nobody taught me how to study. I just went to school and did well. I got to college and that first semester, I got my first like 1.5 GPA and I was strong number in the top 10% and got there and realized that the academic gaps that exist from title one schools and tier one colleges exist. And so like, I think that we also account for that piece that's happening for our students too. But yeah, specifically thinking about our students and academic scholarships, they're out there. And you can look at some of them now and just kind of see what are they really looking for. Um, and, and some colleges are trying to take a more holistic approach where they're looking at more than just your students' academics. Like, what else are you doing to better yourself? What other things are you bringing to the table? Because when you go to college, it's a community there. They're not just looking for students that are performing academically. Like, you need student athletes. You need artists. You need musicians. You need actors to make a college community function. And so you got to think about your student holistically. One piece is making sure they've studied and they're prepared academically for their highest potential. 
The next piece is what are those unique things about your child that they love to do that's going to help bring them joy? I don't know many people that just like to go to class and sit in class and read books and love academics. Like that's my jam, right? I, I, cool, I, I can do it. But I like to sing and do poetry and I like to be engaged with other people and I love to dance and, and step, right? So all those things are a part of my unique makeup as myself as Kendra. And when I'm looking at colleges or my future, all of that plays into how successful I'm going to be, but also how happy I'm going to be with what I'm doing. And so, you know, parents, I would encourage you to just get to know your student, like get to know what makes them smile. Um, I think about Joy, like she is definitely a gift. Her love language is receiving gifts, but she also loves to do that for other people. She has like a natural caregiving spirit about her. And so I'm like, oh, I should probably expose her to other things that she can see other people caring for folks. Maybe that's nursing. Maybe that's a doctor. Maybe that's a psychiatrist. I have no idea. But I know that that skill, I'm already seeing when I'm not feeling well, baby girl's like on high mode. Oh, mommy, put your feet up. I got it. You need some water. You need a pillow. And I'm like, what, what is this? What are you? But that's her. It's a way that she's showing love because I think she's seen other people do it for her and she enjoys doing it for others. She's only six. But now as a parent, I see that skill and I'm like, how do I build on it to find out if that's truly something she loves? Um, Because you want to get into your career and love it. Who wants to go to work every day and hate their job just so that they can make a paycheck? They're not going to sustain that way. So it feels so far off to think about, but it's a huge part of what we're doing. We're helping these young people, young children to develop into people. And we get to see them in so many facets. And so academics is one part. I think, but academic scholarships are expanding to include more about who your student is overall. And so pour into each one of those little buckets, right? To make them this complete, beautiful drink, we're going to pour into each category that's listed so they feel strong in all areas. I'm wondering what you're thinking about the affirmative action conversation now, because you were mentioning like, well, you know, for black and brown students, you get certain scores, you get certain grades, things are looking up for you. And that's kind of I guess how it was. So I'm curious, <laughs> what are your thoughts now with these new changes? I know no one really knows yet, but what are you anticipating, I guess? I'm trying not to think about it. I mean, honestly, no, just kidding. But I have lots of thoughts. I think I think it's going to change some things, but I also don't think it's going to change some things, right? I think many of our students haven't been academically strong when it comes to like their academic college profiles. And so we've always been looking at our students in a holistic manner. I think it kind of goes back to what I was saying before is how do we present our students in a holistic way where they feel strong in all areas? So I think about their profile like a pie. And this pie has several pieces in it. One piece of the pie is their academics, but there are several other pieces of the pie that colleges look at that we need to make sure tastes good when they get it, right? So that could be essays, That could be resumes, letters of recommendation, the resume or what experiences your student has been having. A big key of that is going to be like essays and or interviews if colleges offer them. So I think we still have a chance to showcase our students' profiles in a way that are going to make them shine bright in the process, despite the affirmative action decision. And so I think I'm trying to look at the glass half full versus half empty and say, It's an approach that we've always done to the work. We just now need to make sure we're doing a better job to make sure that that pie that we're presenting on our black and brown students is a pie that tastes good in every piece of it. And I also like put some onus on the colleges, right? They're going to have to figure out because they continue to want diverse student populations and diverse student admissions. They're going to have to figure this out too. And I think you're going to see a lot of them shifting to this holistic assessment of students because Mm -hmm. it's going to allow for a more diverse population of students that they're admitting. And I think, you know, 
this has happened in other states before. I mean, yes, and it sucks. I wanted to stay too, but I recognize it, it's not. And so how do we now take that information that we know and move forward? And I think some of your prestigious institutions have already been doing some of these things because the application pool that they get is not very diverse. And so I think we're just going to have to take some of those learnings. I'm curious to see what college is going to do ultimately, because I think they a lot of the onus is on them. Colleges definitely have some power and authority here to figure out how they can approach this in a way that doesn't exclude students, right? Because that's ultimately what we're, I think the fear is that students of color are now going to be excluded from being accepted or excluded from scholarships or excluded from opportunities that affirmative action was giving. So I'm curious to see how college is going to respond. Some are starting, but I think right now everybody's kind of just in reaction mode um, and not action mode yet. So I'm kind of waiting, trying to be patient, trying not to jump off the top of the cliff, um, but just be patient and wait and see what they come out with, but also be ready. You know, like it's having conversations now with families, your students in the ninth grade, chances are, this is going to affect them in a way. This is how we can start preparing them to be ready for the road ahead. Well, this has been an amazing conversation. I have one more question before we end today. I'm curious, since you've watched students go to college, graduate from college at this point, you have alumni that have finished. I'm curious what you think goes into students having the most rewarding experience. Like, When you look at students and you look at the groups that you sent off and some of them kind of maybe they were really ambitious and flamed out or you were surprised that they actually were were thriving once they transitioned. Like I hear all these stories. So I'm just curious, like, what do you think is the most important thing that we can be kind of preparing our students, not just for them to be academically prepared, like you were saying, but also just to live good lives and to be successful? Oh, that's a loaded question. Sharia is your last name. Um, (laughs) You're right. I have some students that have gone on to do amazing things. So proud of just where they've gone. And some of them were the first in their family to graduate high school. Some of them were third generation going to college. Right. So I've, I have this unique lens that I think it brings me so much joy and so much like pride to be able to say, like, I've worked with students from so many different backgrounds and I've seen them be successful and I've seen them not be successful. I think one of the keys that many of my students will say, no matter who they were, was just having trusting relationships with adults, whether that be their parents, a mentor, somebody I can call in the event that I don't know what to do. And I think a lot of students get to their pathway and they think I'm here, I got to figure this out. And the answer is yes, you do, but you need a community behind you supporting you in order to finish. Um, Because it's not easy. No pathway you choose after high school is going to be easy, but I think providing a safety net for your student. And if they mess up or if something doesn't go the way they intended that they have a place to land or a place to pick up the phone and call and say, mom, Miss Strange, I'm not doing well. I need help. I think it's the first thing that has helped many of them who might've even been at a situation where they were getting ready to stop out or quit to continue to press forward. That's one thing. I think the other piece that I've seen to help them be successful is like this early idea of letting them voice what it is they need or they desire in their pathway is the other piece. Many of the students whose families push them to take the pathway that they thought was best, didn't finish. And that's just a reality because they weren't connected to it. It wasn't something they wanted to do from the beginning. And it's gonna take a lot of power on the student or your child to finish. It, It takes a lot of power for you to keep pressing when things are hard, even if you have a safety net. But if they're not connected to it and they don't feel empowered by it and it's not making them happy, chances are they're gonna be back on your couch, back in your house in a few months. And so I think, Listening to them, especially as they get to that 10th, 11th, and 12th grade year, if they're 
expressing like, I really don't want to major in math. I'm not good at math. You making a major in math is just probably a bad idea. Um, but also having real conversations. You want to major in art. What's the end game for art? Yeah, you're going to be great when you got, what do you hope to do? How are you going to earn money? And having those real conversations. And I would say the last piece is parents, uncovering what real life looks like as an adult for students is key. I talk to students all the time. They have no idea the cost of health insurance, cell phones, cable. I'm like, you live in this beautiful house. Let's talk about all the things that are luxuries that you have and how much they cost. Because I think they live in a land that mom and daddy got it. They have no idea. And so when it happens and it's like, okay, you need to earn money because it costs a one bedroom, 500 square feet in Dallas area is like $1,500 just to live there. They need to understand those things as they're pursuing their pathways even when you get to college, it's still like a little covered because you pay your dorm fee, it pays for your meals, your cable, and you have no idea what this stuff costs. And that sometimes is the reality check that students need to say, oh, I need to do something else after high school because working at Chick-fil-A is great, but I can't even move out of your house with my Chick-fil-A money that I'm receiving. And so uncovering the adultness of adultness as they get older is so crucial and talking about finances and money with them so that they really understand like what the reality is as you progress the next four years and get ready to have your own house and your own money and your own expenses, what that looks like. And so as a six-year-old, this feels like, okay, we can talk about it now, but definitely we talk to Joy about money and she has a little bank account and we talk about it. And when she goes to the store, she's like, I want to buy this. I'm like, great. You have $25. If you spend 10 now, you're going to have $15 left. You said you wanted to go ice skating ice skating and having that conversation and she's starting to learn math and understand it, but it's just exposing those things that cost money. When I go to the gas station, I talk to her about how much I put in my car for gas. And I'm like, in order to go to work, you got to put gas in your car. And so something so small, but it'll definitely build on itself as we continue to do that as she gets older. I love that. I, I keep saying that I need to get Sean a bank account and I just keep <laughs> not doing it. So you're inspiring me. I need to do that. Chase has them for kids. It's so cute. But yeah. <laughs> well, Kendra, this has been amazing. I know the listeners are going to get so much from this conversation. If they want to reach out to you, how can they connect with you? Well, they can definitely hit me on Facebook, Kendra Strange. It's not very many strangers on there. You'll be able to find me. Or they can shoot me an email. My email is kendra.l.spencer at gmail.com. And I'm more than happy to have conversations. I mean, I do work with students in an individual basis. It does cost. It's not expensive, but I do work with students that are juniors and seniors personally to help you through the process. I meet with parents often just by themselves. They're like, can I just sit with you to learn a little bit? I do that as well. So yeah, definitely would be open to talking to students that are in any grade level and supporting however I can. All right. Well, I know some people listening have older kids, so hopefully they will reach out to you. But thanks again for being here today. Thanks, Sharia. This was awesome. I'm so glad we're having this conversation early. And yeah, I'm excited about this. Thanks so much. Well, there you have it. Kendra didn't disappoint, did she? I really enjoyed that conversation and I took so many nuggets from it. I would love to hear what you thought. You can find me on at Raising Young Achievers on Instagram and just send me a DM and let me know what you thought about today's episode. If this episode has you thinking about early test prep, there's another episode, episode three, where I talk about math mastery and how to make sure your kids are on track in that area. So that might be a great one to revisit. That episode also talks about Khan Academy, which is a free tool you can access to get your child on-demand tutoring in math and English and other subjects. If you're interested in the Kumon program that I've mentioned, I also have a referral link that you can use that will get you $25 off. If you use my link 
$25 will also go to the show to help us grow. So if you're going to do that anyway, please use our link as a way to help the show grow and thrive. Thanks so much for being here with us. Hit the follow button if you love this episode. There's so much more to come. Until next time, my friends. <laughs>